welcome to uh, week four of our series. Today is the last week of our series called Last Arrow, uh, Saving Nothing for the Next. And so um, if you would, grab your Bibles, uh, grab your phones. If you're taking notes uh, today, uh, go with me. We're going to go back to the book of Genesis, We're going back to the OT. Somebody say OT. OT. You're like OT. What's OT? Old Testament. Uh, Go with me. We're going to go to Genesis chapter 37. Before we get there, I'm going to read a bunch of verses and share a bunch with you, and you can write them down uh, if you want. They're going to be super good. Uh, You can go look at them later. Psalms chapter 34, verse 8 says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joys for those who take refuge in him. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 says, But... If we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us of all wickedness. Romans chapter 5 verse 1 says, Therefore, since we've been made right in Christ by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. Us, because of our faith, Christ has brought us into a place of undeserved privilege. We now stand and we are confident and joyfully looking to sharing God's glory. Lamentations chapter 3, verse 22 through 23 says, The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies are uh, begin afresh each day morning. Aren't you thankful for that? Aren't you thankful that every morning you wake up, every morning you arise, there's new mercy, there's new grace, there's new favor for your life. Exodus, not not Exodus chapter 34, that's not the verse. That's not the verse. Yes, it is. Exodus chapter 34, verse 6 says, Yahweh the Lord, the God of compassion and mercy, I am slow to anger and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. Aren't you glad that God is slow, slow to get angry, slow to get frustrated? Thank God, because I need it. I need his mercy. I need his grace in my life. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, in the Amplified Version says this, I will never under any circumstances, desert you, nor give up on you, nor leave you without support, nor will I in any degree leave you helpless, nor forsake you, nor let you down. Relax my hold upon your life. You're thinking, what are you doing today, Pastor Jeff? Are you just going to read a bunch of scriptures today? And the answer is no. But the truth is this. I'm trying to remind myself And I'm trying to remind you about the goodness and the faithfulness of our great God. Because I believe that sometimes we need that in life. I believe sometimes, you know, when we have four days in a row and it's rainy and it's cloudy, you know, and the temperatures are up and down and life is difficult and, you know, some days we don't want to get out of bed. And sometimes we need to be reminded of the goodness of God. We need to be reminded about what the Bible says about him, that the God of the universe, the one who created the heavens and the earth, the one who has created everything that we've seen, the one who has created you and knows you intimately, he really does love you, and he's really, really for you today. I need that on a lot of days. I need to be reminded of who God is. 
You know, last week we talked about Joseph, and we're going to look at Joseph's life again today. And we talked about how Joseph was a dreamer, and we talked about without dreams, we don't have any hope, and you have no hope, you have no dreams, you have no vision. So if I have no dreams, I have no hope, and I have no vision, and the reality is this in life, we need God dreams. Because when we have God dreams, we have hope, and we have vision for our future and what God is doing in our life. And if you weren't here last week, I encourage you to get the podcast. That's why we do podcasts. And you can go uh, on our website and get the podcast. You can go on uh, iTunes, get the podcast. And I'm super excited. Like, I'm so excited because I'm so close. We're so close. I think we may have found a building, and I'm super excited about that. And once we find a building, we move buildings. We're actually going to live stream, and it'll be on YouTube every week, and it'll be super good. But Go back, listen to the message on dreams. But today we're going to continue looking at the story with Joseph and the dreams that God gives him. Because in Genesis chapter 37, God gives Joseph some dreams. And these dreams are given to him to give him a fresh perspective about where he's going in life. And that's what God wants to do for us. He wants to give us dreams and visions so that we have a target to aim at. So when I shoot an arrow, which I don't ever shoot arrows, let's just be real. You know what I mean? I think I've shot like two arrows in my whole entire life, and they've probably went in the wrong direction, if I'm just being completely honest with you. But if I was to shoot an arrow, I'm not going to shoot an arrow just anywhere. I'm going to shoot an arrow with purpose at a target. And so God gives us dreams so that we can position our life towards a target of where God is taking us in our life. And this is why God gives Joseph dreams. And so let's jump into the story. Verse uh, 18, it says this, When Joseph's brothers saw him, they recognized him in the distance. And as he approached, they made plans to kill him. Great brothers, huh? You know? I'll never forget one day, uh, I made my brother uh, super angry and uh, he took his mattress off of his bed, and uh, as I came up the stairs, as I turned around the corner, he threw the mattress at me and knocked me over, trying to knock me down the stairs. I literally think he was trying to kill me that day. But uh, those days happened. Verse 19, it says, here comes the dreamer, they said. Come on, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns. We can tell our father a wild animal has eaten him. And then we will see of what has become of this dreamer. I said this last week. Haters are going to hate. Look at your neighbor and say, haters are going to hate, okay? Haters are going to hate, all right? Listen, small-minded people hate dreamers. They don't like dreamers because they don't have any dreams. They don't have any vision. They don't have any perspective of what God's doing in their life. And so when they hear about your dreams, they got to crush your dreams to try to elevate their life and to feel good about who they are. Goes on in verse 23, says this. So when Joseph arrived, his brothers ripped the robe that he was wearing, the coat of many colors his father gave him. Verse 24, they grabbed him and threw him in a cistern. The cistern was empty and it had no water in it. Verse 26, Judah said to his brothers, what are we going to gain by killing our brother and we'd have to cover up the crime. Verse 27 says, instead of hurting him, let's sell him to those Ishmael traitors. After all, he is our brother, our own flesh and blood, our own flesh and blood. And his brothers all agreed. I don't know about you, 
But I know that there have been times in my life that I feel like I had a dream, but it's almost like my dream was sold. Just kind of like Joseph. God gives Joseph a dream, gives him a plan, gives him a future, gives him a destiny, and then all of a sudden Joseph's in the middle of being thrown in a pit, left to die, then eventually taken out of the pit, but just sold to some random Ishmael traders to be sent away forever. And I know there's times in life that we have dreams and we have visions and we have plans and we have these moments with God and we think, you know, God, we're going to see these dreams come to pass and it feels like then your dreams just get sold. Remember when I was a youth pastor in Michigan and we'd been there for about eight years and um, we had just got back from my eighth summer camp, eight years in a row. And when we would go to summer camp, we'd take about 450 kids, and it was just mass chaos, you know, for a week. And, and it was fun, but Jesus would do incredible things, and um, there were just incredible times with the Lord. And, um, and I remember I came back, and um, my church that I worked at, we were an email-based church. Everything was communicated through email, and so I'd always come back home, and I would have like four or 500 emails I would have to, you know, start sifting through, and so I get back from camp, and I'm tired, and I'm exhausted, and, and I get on my email, and the first email that I read is an email um, from one of my associate pastors and the leadership, and it was about a bunch of vision items that I had submitted for the fall and going into the new school year and into the new year, and I was really excited about what I felt like the Lord wanted to do, and the email came back, no, we're not going to do that, and we need to sit down and talk because I think we need to go in a different direction with a bunch of this stuff. And I don't know if you've ever felt that way in life, where you had a vision, you had a dream, you had a plan, and all of a sudden it feels like your dream, your vision, your plan just gets sold out from with underneath you. See, the reality was this. I had a dream to be a youth pastor pretty much forever. I love students. I still love students. I love going and doing summer camps. I love going and doing retreats. I just, I love, I really love like freshmen and sophomore kids. They're just the best because they're just, you know, old enough to know a little bit, but still dumb enough, you know, not to know a lot. And, you know, and they're moldable and teachable. And, and you know, I just, I, I just have a heart for students. And I can't wait, can't wait to have a building. And we get a building, we're going to throw the incredible youth ministry, and I can't wait to have a church full of students. But the reality is this. I had this dream that I was going to be a youth pastor forever. The youth pastor that I was underneath when I was growing up, her name was Jeannie Mayo, and when I met her, she was 50-something years old, and she was still a youth pastor, and now she's 60-something, and she's still a youth pastor, and she's still traveling the nation, still talking to youth, and I thought, that's, that's who I'm going to be someday. But the reality is this, God had a different dream, and God had to sell my dream. Now, that doesn't sound like the Lord, does it? See, sometimes God has a different perspective about the plans he has for your life. I'll never forget the, I mean, man, Levi, I remember this. Some of the last 
youth services I ever did when I was a youth pastor. I remember I'd get up there, and for the first time in my life, I was nervous around students. And I'm like, why am I nervous around students? Like, I know students. I love students. I care about students. I've always cared about students. What is going on inside of me that I'm nervous about what's going on with me communicating to students? And so I remember I went and prayed about it, and I was like, Lord, what is happening? What are you doing? What's going on? And the Lord said, I care about students, but I care about the parents of students. And if we don't reach the parents of students, we're never really going to reach students the way that we really need to reach students. And so he said, basically, what God was saying is, I got a different dream. I got a different plan. I got a different route for your life. And that's okay sometimes. See, I believe sometimes that God sells our dreams in the hopes to grab your attention. Because sometimes we are so fixated on this is my dream this is my plan. This is how God's going to work. This is how God is going to do it. This is the man that God is going to bring, or this is the woman that God is going to bring, or, or this is the job I'm going to get, or this is the future that I have. And God's going, no, I got a different plan. And it's a good plan. It is a plan to prosper you. And it's a plan to bless you. But I need to sell this dream so that I can get your attention so you can see what I'm trying to do with your life. Doesn't always feel the best, though. But God's ultimately trying to get us to a place where? Where we're at this place where we go, God, whatever you want. You know, this was me a couple nights ago, just being completely honest. Super frustrated about some stuff. Super frustrated about the direction of some stuff. Super frustrated about how things weren't exactly perfectly coming together. But it really brought me to this place where I just kind of went, okay, God. Obviously, you got a dream that is different than the dream that I have. And I need to surrender in this moment. And I need to come to a place that I'm okay in me to just go, God, whatever you want. Your plans are always better than mine. But for some reason, I try to make mine his will, you know, and I get in the way a lot of times. I don't know if any of you feel that way, but I know I do. Go with me, chapter 39. Story continues, so Joseph gets sold, and um, he gets sold to this man named Potiphar, and uh, he gets brought into Potiphar's house, and it says in verse 2, the Lord is with Joseph, so he succeeded in everything he did. Uh, he succeeded in everything he, everything he did as he served in the house of the Egyptian master, verse 4, okay? This pleased Potiphar, so he soon made Joseph his personal assistant, put him in charge of an entire household and everything he owned. Verse 6 through 9, it says this. Now, Joseph was a handsome, well-built man, and Potiphar's wife, which we're going to call Hotifer, okay, literally put it in here as Hotifer, okay? Potiphar's wife, Hotifer, okay, soon began to look at him lustfully, and she says, come, Sleep with me, she demands. Okay, verse 8. Joseph refused. He says, look, woman, I'm not doing that. He told her. No, nah, he probably didn't say woman, but I just, these are the things that are in my mind, okay? He says, master, the master has trusted me with everything inside the whole entire household. No one has more authority to do it than I do. 
He has held nothing back from me except for you because you are his wife. How could I do such a wicked thing? It would be a great sin against God. Verse 11. One day, however, when no one else was around, he went back in to do his work. Verse 12. She came and grabbed him by the cloak, demanding, come on, sleep with me. Sleep with me, Joseph. Okay. Again, this is the stories in my mind, okay? The voices in my head, okay? Joseph tore himself away, but he left his cloak in her hands as he ran out of the house. That's one of my favorite lines in all the Bible. He runs out of the house. Serious temptation, but he runs. Verse 20, or verse 19. Potiphar was furious when he heard the story his wife told about Joseph and how he treated her. Verse 20. So he took Joseph and he threw him in prison where the king's prisoners were, and he remained there. Now, I don't know about you, but at this point, I've got to believe that Joseph is having one of these moments in life where he's going, is God really good? I mean... I had a family one time. I don't know where they're at. My brothers, my flesh and blood, threw me in a pit, left me to die. Then they were kind enough and had enough mercy to take me out of the pit and sell me. And so I got sold to this foreign land. And all of a sudden, I'm working for Potiphar, and I become head of his household, and I'm doing the right thing, and I'm honoring Potiphar, and, and I'm a man of integrity and character, and, and I'm blessing his house. And now I'm in prison. I've had moments like this in life where you start going, is God good? And is God faithful? Now, when I was growing up in church, we had this thing. We'd go, God is good. And everybody would go, all the time. We'd go, all the time, God is good. So we grow up with this thought that, like, man, God is good. He's perfect, and he's great, and he loves us all the time. And then life happens, and serious stuff happens. And the, you know, hurricanes of life happen, and all of a sudden we find ourselves in a place where we go, is God really good? Levi, can you help me out? Okay. How many of you remember the game of life growing up? Yeah, remember that game? It's a, listen, that is just a underrated board game, okay? Can we just, can we just uh, keep it real 100%? Okay, now listen, I will play anybody in Monopoly. If anybody's interested in playing Monopoly, just let me know, okay? I, I'm a master, okay? I will cheat, though, I promise you, okay? You do not want to play with me. But in the game of life, you start off as an individual and you, you know, find yourself getting a career and stuff. And so in the game of life, we spin this wheel. Okay, where's that wheel? Oh, look at that. Look at that beautiful wheel. Okay. And so we spin that wheel and we get a number and we land and we land on a spot and it tells us something happens in life. So, you know, here's, here's Matt and Matt's going along through life and all of a sudden, God goes, he needs an Elena. And so God brings... On Elena, and, and all of a sudden, woo, can we get an amen for that, everybody? Okay. And Matt is going to get married, okay? And uh, 
Christian, you're in here. I was going to say something. But, yeah, I know. It's and Matt's just like, Matt's just like, you know, Jesus can come back now because I, I'm, I'm getting married, and after November, is it 9th, November 9th, November 10th, Jesus can come back, okay? This is what, this is what Matt is thinking, okay? So this is a good day for Matt, okay? Matt is like, listen, life is good. I got my Elena, and, and God is good, and, and I was faithful, and God was faithful, and I was patient, and, and God brought Elena. Listen, you know, what, you know what Ben said to me the other day in the car? He said, Dad, do you think God has an Elena for me someday? And I was like, oh, my gosh. That is the greatest thing ever, okay? So, okay, so then we spin the wheel again. So we spin our wheel, okay? We spin our wheel, and we land on another spot. And this spot ends up, oh, listen, Matt. Matt was preaching one Sunday, and he just said something really stupid. And, and I'm like, Matt. I know you're my brother, but dude, you are fired, man. You are out of here. And so Matt, no, Matt doesn't lose his job ever. He can work here until Jesus comes, unless he burns the church down, and then he is fired again. But Matt, let's say Matt gets fired, right? Now, remember, the day that Matt got married, Matt was like, Man, God is so good. He is so faithful. He is so kind. He is so rich in mercy. He brought me this beautiful wife, and I love her, and we're going to have this incredible life. And then, you know, life gets going, and all of a sudden there comes this day, and Matt loses his job. I don't know if you've ever felt that before. I have. It's a weird day. You know, you wake up and you have a job. You wake up and, you know, you're getting a paycheck in a couple weeks. And in a matter of hours, you find out you don't have a job. And you're not going to get a paycheck anymore. And all of a sudden, you're like, what the heck, God? Like, don't you know that I have bills? Don't you know that I have things to pay for? Don't you know, God, that I needed that paycheck? I needed that job. I needed that situation. Right? Okay, well, and then we just keep going on life. So we spin the wheel again. And so we spin our wheel, and then we come up with our next, you know, situation all of a sudden. Well, praise God. Matt's like, God is good. I, I didn't know that this is going to happen, but, man, God has hooked me. It is tax refund time, and, you know, and good Lord, God was good this year. You know, the government, the wealth of the wicked is coming to the righteous in Jesus' name. You know what I mean? And so Matt's like praising God again, and Elena's really praising God. And Elena's like, yeah, I'm going shopping, Matt, you know what I mean? And they're like, we're going to go on vacation, and, you know, and we're, we might even upgrade our TV this year and all kinds of situations like that. And we think, man, God is so good. We're praising God all the way to the bank. We're praising God all the way to that vacation. We're praising God all the way to redoing our deck or whatever. We're excited about the goodness and the blessing and the favor of God. But then life goes on and we spin the wheel again. And so we spin our wheel. And we hit. And we find out, dang, the car broke down. <laughs> Now, I know we've all felt this before, where you're just driving along. I'll never forget, I had a, uh, 
19, my first car was a 1981 Toyota Corolla, okay? It literally looked like a turd on wheels. It was brown. It had a wooden bumper, okay? The door, when I opened up the door, I would have to hold it. Otherwise, it would, like, pop out and hit other cars, okay? But I remember I'm driving to work in Chicago, and I remember just one day driving, and the car just went, and I mean, like, the speedometer just went, and I just kind of rolled to the side. And it was kind of like the car was like, I'm done. I just... <laughs> I, this is, this is it. This is the end. And I just got out of the car and, and hitchhiked uh, to work. And the state of Illinois called me and they said, what do you want us to do with your turd car? And I said, I, it's done. It told me it's, it's, it's over. Okay. So you can have it. So, so the question is this, is God good all the time? Because there's moments in life, and I'm sure Joseph is feeling this moment in his life where he's in prison. I'm not talking about the Lebanon prison where, you know, they're getting fed three meals a day and they got a little bit of cable TV and they get to go out and play some ball and stuff. I'm talking about prison. I'm talking about a dungeon. I'm talking about rats. I'm talking about chains. I'm talking about getting beat in prison. I'm talking about prison. See, there's moments in life where we hit these spots and we go, is God good? Is he faithful? Because there's these days where we start questioning the goodness and the faithfulness of who our God is. And does he have my back? And does he care about my dreams? And does he care about my future? See, this is a real thing in life. I remember... Matt and Levi, when we moved to Ohio. You see, it's exciting to have a dream about starting a church. I mean, there's endless potential of what God's going to do and what we could be a part of. And then all of a sudden, we move to this city, and we realize that we don't know anybody in this city. I mean, like, Nobody in this city. And we realized we don't have anything to start a church. And so I wanted to get Matt and Levi's perspectives on when we moved and we started the church. So go ahead and roll those So it was around the beginning of 2015, and I was just about to finish up my uh, three-year ministry program. And uh, Pastor Jeff had come up to me, and he had asked if I was interested at all in moving down to Cincy with him and helping him uh, start Elevate Church. And it was one of those things where I told him, I was like, yeah, dude, I'll, I'll pray about it for sure. But really in my head, I was like, there's no way. There's no way. I'm not gonna move down and uh, to start something from scratch. And who knows how long it would be until uh, I got paid again. And who knows how many part-time jobs I'd have to have. And I began to think like, it's just not worth it. I love them and their family. I'll be huge uh, supporters and, and, and fans of him and the church, but the entire time that I kept thinking no to myself, the Lord just kept pressing me, go, 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 you gotta go. This is what I have planned for you. And and I'll bring along um, the money. And uh, and it was really, really hard, I'm not gonna lie. It was, uh, it was a shot to the pride. It was uh, a stretch of faith. Uh, there was lots of, lots of hard days, lots of slow days, lots of days where 
we had no idea if this thing was going to take off um, at all. But the whole time, God was just rock solid going, this is where I want you to be. This is what I want you to do. These are the people I want you to do it with. And now, you know, I look around uh, on a Sunday like this and it's just, gosh, it's such an honor. It's such a privilege to be here and to be a part and to be a part of what God has grown from literally nothing into something so fantastic, so wonderful. When I first moved down to Cincinnati, uh, I was super excited because I always wanted to be a part of a church plant and a church startup. And so I thought, man, this situation is perfect. Jeff and Jess being my family, Levi being my best friend, it's gonna be a great time. But I did not know what I was getting into. And uh, I moved down to Jeff and Jess's basement and it was fine. You know, it was like, all right, this is just part of the process. You know, this is just humble beginnings. This is just part of it. And we started doing tables and honestly, it was okay the first couple months because I had in my mind this huge expectation. Like within six months, I was going to be out of here. I was going to be living on my own. I was going to be making a full paycheck because the church was just gonna grow. The church was gonna be like 300 people in like six months and we were gonna be on the news and, and it was gonna be amazing and people were gonna you know, come to our church and be like, how do you do this? And like, oh, it's just the Lord, you know? You know? Obviously, uh, it didn't work out that way. And those first you know, couple months, you know, up to a year, it was a lot of frustration. It was a lot of just being angry because I had friends who were in ministry and they were running their own youth group and they were uh, you know, about to get married and making a full paycheck and living on their own and getting on with their lives and I felt like I was being left behind. I honestly felt like, God, what about me? I remember just being in Jeff and Jess's uh, garage just sanding tables and, and just really thinking like, what the heck is going on here? And to be honest with you, looking back at it now, it's a good thing it, my dream didn't work out the way that I wanted it to. Because God had a much better plan. God is faithful and he's always with us and he's always good. And looking back at it, God knew what he was doing. He knew that he was gonna take care of us. He knew that this was you know, part of the journey, but he was always with us. He was always faithful, he was always good. Come on, give it up for Matt and Levi. Aren't they saints? <laughs> Worship team, you guys can come on up. There's this verse, and uh, it's always, always challenged me, perplexed me. Um, it's a great verse. It's a challenging verse, though, to be honest. And it's Romans 8. Verses, verse 28, it says this, and we know that God, and I mean, can we just stop there? We know that God, what we talked about this morning, the name of Jesus, God, Jesus, that he's good and that he's full of mercy and love and grace and healing and restoration. It says, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purposes for them. Sometimes we have these dreams 
And I think God goes, I got better dreams. Sometimes we have these dreams and I think God goes, that dream is too small. I got a bigger dream. I think sometimes we have these dreams and we think I can accomplish this dream outside of God. And God goes, no, I want a bigger, better dream, but you're gonna have to rely and trust and hold on to me. And I'm gonna show you how good I am. I'm gonna show you my character and my nature and my faithfulness and my kindness. I'm gonna show you just how good I am. So, Joseph, it's a crazy long story in the Bible. You should read it. Joseph gets thrown in prison, but the Bible says that God's with Joseph in prison. And when Joseph's in prison, he meets his two guys, a cupbearer and a baker. They get thrown into prison with them. They both have dreams. And Joseph goes, well, I can interpret dreams. God's given me this ability. And he says to the cupbearer, you're going to be restored. But the baker, you're going to die in uh, three days. I'm like, oh, what a great dream, you know. And so uh, all of a sudden, a couple years later, as Joseph's still in prison, I love that the Bible says two years later that Joseph's still in prison. Pharaoh has a dream and he has a dream about seven fat cows and seven skinny cows. And so Pharaoh gets all of his magicians and soothsayers and wise men together. And he says, hey, here's my dream. Tell me how to interpret this dream. And nobody can help him to interpret the dream. But then there's this cupbearer guy. And he goes, hey, guess what? I know a guy because I met a guy back in prison. There's a guy in prison. He could help us out right now. And so Pharaoh says, get this guy in prison. So they take him out of prison. They give him a haircut and they put some clothes on him. And they put him before Pharaoh. And Pharaoh tells tells him this dream about seven fat cows and seven skinny cows. And, and, and Joseph goes, yeah, I understand this dream. God's saying there's going to be seven years of blessing. There's going to be seven years of bumper. There's going to be seven years. But then after that, there's going to be seven years of famine that's going to come right after that. And then this is what it says in Genesis chapter 41, verse 37. Joseph's suggestions were received by Pharaoh and all the officials. A guy that was just in prison, a guy that was rotting forever in prison is the guy that Pharaoh, the king of all of the land, and all of his people go, yeah, this guy knows what he's talking about. This is our guy. Verse 38, so Pharaoh asked his officials, can we find anyone else like this man? Oh, the man that was sold, the man that was left for dead, the man who was thrown in prison, that man, can we find any other man like this man so obviously filled with the Spirit of God? Verse 39, then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has revealed the meaning of these dreams, clearly no one else is as intelligent or wise as you. Oh my gosh. Verse 40, You'll be in charge of my courts and all the people will take orders from you. Only I, sitting on the throne, will have a higher ranking than yours. Verse 41, Pharaoh says to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the entire land of Egypt. The entire land. Talk about the, the pit to the palace. See, these are the dreams that God has for you. 
there's moments that you feel like you're in a pit. There's moments you feel like your dreams have been sold. There's moments you feel like God has forgotten about you. There's moments you feel like there is no hope. There's moments where your question is God good and faithful all the time. And God goes, if you'll just trust me, I know the dreams and the plans that I have for you. And I'm working everything out for your good to show you my goodness, to show you my kindness. Verse 42, then Pharaoh removed his signet ring and placed it on the hand of Joseph's finger. This is a finger, this is a ring of, of power. This is a ring of authority. And then it goes this, they dressed him in the finest clothes and they hung a gold chain around his neck. Joseph is the first rap star in the history of the world. All rappers took their cue from the man Joseph because he's got a gold chain around his neck. Why don't you stand up this morning? Why does God put these stories in the Bible? Because he wants you to know who he is. That's why. God wants you to know his character. God wants you to see that in life, there's gonna be good days. There's gonna be days you're gonna get married. There's gonna be days that you love your wife. There's gonna be days your wife hates you. There's gonna be days where everything is perfect. There's gonna be days where somebody gets sick. There's gonna be days where, you know, somebody might pass away. I get it, I understand it. Let me be completely honest. I understand when you have questions and I validate your questions because here's the truth. I don't understand everything. I don't understand God's plans perfectly. I don't always get it, but I do know this, that the Bible says very clearly that God is good and he is faithful and he is for you and he loves you and he's not against you and he wants to give you a hope and he wants to give you a future and he wants you to succeed and everything you do, Everything you do, everything you do, 